When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate. You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast devoted to the discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. And I have a very exciting episode of the podcast today with a very special guest, Charles from Omnis Protocol. Omnis, we're glad to have you back today, but we're kind of doing something different today, right? Dude, I am happy to be back. I haven't been this excited. <laughs> I, I started combining excited and hyped into one word. That's how ex- it is. Ex- hyped I that I am. Yeah, well, we're hyped to have you back because this is kind of a throwback slash a present day episode simultaneous, kind of like your, you know, your hype and excitement. Sequel. It's yeah, it's a sequel. It's a sequel to our X-Men building roster so long ago where we went super in depth on Fury's Finest about building the X-Men. And we say that because today I'm going to interview you about your Adepticon journey and essentially how you made it really far all the way through Adepticon. I'm not going to spill too much of the story because, you know, we're going to create some suspense here, but essentially how you did really well at Adepticon with X-Men. And we're going to kind of pick your mind today about how you came to the conclusion of continuing the roster that you and I built so long ago, but then also how your battle reports went. Awesome. I'm excited. Well, Jesse, we might as well get into it. Where do you want to start? I think we got to start in the obvious place, Omnis, which is we need to hear about your list you brought. So your 10 tactics cards, your 10 models, and your crisis card selections for Adepticon. Okay. So this ended up was not what I was practicing the Thursday beforehand. Oh, okay. Um, and I will just say that I made some last minute adjustments after the team up event. And I will just say the fourth round of the team up event, we ended up having a game where we were searching for the alien core 14 times. And I yep. want to say about nine of those was from our team. And three out of nine of those were from Corvus with the reality gem. So I was at a little point of frustration with the single extracts. And like, that's just going to happen, right? That's just like, sometimes that happens. Right. But I wanted to change up my plan, which originally had Doctor Strange, Lizard, and Voodoo, and was playing single extracts to just, I, I wanted to do something different. And so I switched switched plans Friday night before the event. So the roster I decided to play was Storm, Beast, Domino, X-23, 
Rogue, Toad, Black Panther, Thanos with Mind in Space, Corvus Glaive with Reality, Proxima Midnight, and then my tactics cards were First Class, To Me, My X-Men, Medpack, Brace, Sacrifice, Climbing Gear, Indomitable, Mothership, Marked for Death, and Disarm. And then my Crisis cards were Spider Portals, Mutant Madman, Deadly Meteors, Spider Infected, Cubes, and Hammers. Do you have any questions about it before we dive into the rest? Well, I think the first big question is what settled you on the Black Order splash? Other than the fact that we know Black Order is the easiest affiliation to splash in the game right now, and obviously a very powerful faction in certain matchups, what led you to just that three models being added at the end? Was it just that encounter with the core? So it originally wasn't going to include Thanos, but what happened was is... Corvus and Proxima add a unique thing to X-Men that literally no one else can do. And what that is, is when I lose priority on cubes or spider infected, playing with Storm's leadership, I can immediately activate Corvus, have him get the cube or spider on my side. So let's say my opponent's going first, right? Because otherwise I would have chosen secures and I'm going second. So they grab the middle one and they like back up or whatever. Right. I can then activate Corvus, grab one on my side, and immediately have him activate Proxima. And then Proxima uses the leadership to teleport to the other side of Corvus, and then long moves to grab their cube or spider on their side of the board, and then long moves back. Very strong, yeah. And nobody else can do that. So I actually have a play to get ahead on those five, you know, those odd extracts even without priority. And I didn't really want to play Corvus and Proxima, but they fit (laughs) the, they fit what I needed for the team. I needed a five that did certain things and a three that fits the, the overall plan. And they both work for that, but then they also do this. So I wanted a plan that would help me play X-Men more of the time. And they would allow me to do certain shenanigans, even when I don't have priority. And so then I realized well, then what, what point does Voodoo serve in my roster? If I lose priority and I'm going to play Corvus and Proxima, I have no more unaffiliated presence. Mm, and yep. I don't play Voodoo when I win priority, basically ever. And so even though I just said I think Voodoo should be in every competitive roster, I realized in this particular case with my plan, the odds of me playing Voodoo were so small, I felt like I should do something else with that spot. Of and course. eventually I was like, well... Adding a Black Order splash, if like literally all I'm doing is putting in Thanos, that helps me in the Black Order mirror because I can just splash Thanos into X-Men. Or if I just get a really weird situation where I'm just like, I don't think I can beat Spiders or Criminal Syndicate in a certain situation, I could choose to play Black Order. No, I like that a lot. That was my first question, because when I saw your list and I saw that grouping of characters, obviously right now Thanos with some gems is probably good in any list in the game. Yeah. And Corvus and Proxima are obviously really good in any list in the game, too, in the right circumstance. But now I hear your method of using them, and that opens up a lot of questions later on. I'm sure they'll come up in our battle reports where I'm basically just going to see, like, when you actually played Corvus and Proxima and which crises they showed up the most. Or did they just end up being something you're planning for every game? Was that something you were just planning for most games to play the two of them? with storm i was not planning like there's lots of situations where i wouldn't necessarily play them but obviously you don't really know what your matchups are going to be over the course of an event and so there's really just some um some situations that i wanted them for and some situations or threat levels that i wouldn't take them 
And I guess you'll just kind of go through the rounds and have to find out like everyone else, Jesse. <laughs> exactly. And I'm very excited to hear about these rounds. But before we do that, we've got to touch on your tactics cards and your crises. I think we'll talk on tactics cards first because it's a little bit more clear cut. And then I know you and I are going to have a returning discussion about the crises because I see a lot of similar patterns from our X-Men episode, which, by the way, you said your listeners hadn't, if they haven't heard that episode, that was episode 43 of Fury's Finest quite a long time ago because we're coming up on 100 right now. So, but it was episode 43 and we went really deep into why we chose the crises we did. I think crises is one of the things we talked the most about in that. But your tactics cards, it looks like you got a lot of things that are really strong generic tech against a lot of teams. I mean, I see Mark for Death on here. I immediately think Web Warriors. I see things like like disarm here i think I, I think of teams with big heavy hitting models i assume is why disarm was in here and then i see a lot of cards that you know you've got you've got to take first class and mothership right you just have to right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> really i think for the most part the the core was kind of set like the t- first seven that i mentioned are like right. my seven that i basically take with x-men all the time okay and mothership because i'm playing black order and then marked for death and disarm were kind of somewhat flexible. They were not cards I necessarily needed. But for example, when I dropped Lizard for Proxima, I was like, do I want exceptional healing? Maybe I should free that up to something I'm more likely to take. And so I think mm-hmm. that's what kind of became marked for death. And I was thinking marked for death would help me if I like had some weird situations for Black Order where I could kind of help make that that whole system work if I needed it. But I will be honest, the last two spots of marked for death and disarm were not like super thought out. That was they were some final decisions where I was just like, I got to make decisions on these two slots. I don't necessarily know if they were the best decisions for those slots. Okay, but then you also have cards like sacrifice, which is really good tech against Black Order in particular. And then sacrifice has become a staple for me. I, I yeah. put it in basically every roster and um it's it's a card that I take not just against Black Order, I take sacrifice a lot. It's one that very commonly makes my five, maybe even more than half the time. Oh wow, yeah. Because then of course you have your restricted or med pack and brace for impact. And then to me, my X-Men, a card that you and I have talked about a lot in the past, how powerful it is, especially if you have multiple X-Men leaders, you just have one. But I mean, did this come up like a lot of your games? Did you bring to me my X Men pretty frequently? Do you want to know now? Because I, I it's actually, it's a simple answer, and the answer ended up being zero for the event. For the event, okay, but That's, you had it. I do often take it. It's a card that I play was playing probably maybe half the time in my practice games. Okay. And it definitely comes in more commonly when I'm playing X-Men without priority, where I might not take first class because there's not a, a, a pay to flip. But I would say the most common five would be first class, med pack, brace, sacrifice, and indomitable. Okay. And then there would be some situations where I look at their roster and I just don't think brace matters enough. And then maybe that becomes climbing gear. Or maybe I'm playing against a team that I think is more controlly and I'm just not going to get work out of sacrifice. And maybe that becomes becomes climbing gear instead you know that sort of thing okay that was my next question yeah because you have climbing gear in here one of the cards i always take in my 10 personally and i was curious when climbing gear actually came into play because i'm looking at your list and yeah you got some really powerful characters but like you don't necessarily have just a standout like i don't know a lot of people take staples like climbing gear when they have a five or six threat that they want to play a lot for instance like a hulk or a magneto so the circumstances you'd bring in climbing gear is more just a replacement and a, a tool to have more than just necessarily I'm playing this character. I have to take climbing gear this game. I, I would say that that's accurate. It's not something that always okay. hits the table, but 
I'm generally happy when I have it. And I would say the most common characters that this roster uses it for would be Corvus or uh, Domino. Okay. Very strong. So now we have to talk about your crisis cards, your secures and extracts. And I guess we can start with secures. So you have deadly meteors, spider portals, and the X-Men classic mutant madman. So tell me what landed you on these and why these look so familiar to me on this. (laughs) <laughs> Spider portals and mutant madmen have been my go-to for X-Men for quite a while. Right. Um, I decided that I didn't want that third pick to not be a pay to flip. And I still didn't feel comfortable enough with sword. And I felt like having X 23 and Corvus would make me good enough on deadly meteors that I felt like I was better than most other people at it. Because Uh Corvus, uh, since his first skull counts as a crit, he doesn't take damage. He'd have to roll two skulls to take a damage from Deadly Meteors. And he's a super brawly character anyway. So um, that made me comfortable enough. If I wasn't playing Corvus in that slot, I'm not sure I would feel comfortable playing Deadly Meteors. That's a big question. Um, but yeah, Spider Portals and Mutant Madman are my are my go-tos. I, those would be my preferred if I had the choice. Yeah, and I, I guess now's a better time than any to talk about the theme of pay to flips with your list here before you even get to extract. So something you and I touched on in our X-Men building episode and something you've always loved are pay to flips. And a lot of people don't love pay to flips. And so what led you fully to this path of kind of going fully pay to flips? Like you talked about the example at the front, but like what just locked these in and also these crises? Was it just the fact that X-Men have first class and your trick you talked about with Corvus and Proxima on top of first class, or was it just you're ominous and you know (laughs) better than most people. Was it just a perfect Um, storm? I do think it's fair to say that I've probably played more pay to flip games than almost anyone. And I think I've almost certainly played more games with a roster that's triple pay to flips than Mm. almost anyone. Uh, But with that said, I think what happened was, I think there's this point in mid January, it was before LVO and before I had rogue and Gambit and X23 and stuff in hand. And people were just really talking down about X-Men kind of constantly. And I brought them to a game night and I just wanted to kind of put them on the table. And I wanted to see how first class and stuff would interact in the, in the current kind of meta of what people are playing. And I played a couple of games with them and they were pretty one-sided in my favor. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of that was because of the power deficit, like of your opponent? priority both times and it's just like what i was doing with them felt pretty good and i wasn't even using rogue yet and i was like okay there's some legs here Mm -hmm. and i like i've set them aside and it was like i'm gonna come back to them after i have these other characters but i feel like there's something worth exploring here at the time i was like i don't think they're as good at it as asgard but i feel like it could be a niche for them and then after the new models released i spent some time working on brotherhood and i just didn't they weren't clicking for me. Like they felt good. Like Magneto's a great character, right? right? And they've got so many juggernauts. Great. And Scarlet witch is great. And steak and step. There's so much good stuff to play, but it wasn't clicking in the way that like Wakanda clicked for me in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, let me, let me get some games in with X-Men. You know, there's all these new X-Men characters. Let me, let me, let me play some more with them. And it was almost instantaneous where I was like, I really like playing this. And so then I just started diving and I was finding, I was enjoying them a lot and I just kept playing them. And I was like, I think they're a lot better than people think they are. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just wanted to want to give it, a, give it its full go. 
Okay, I love that. So that was kind of the inciting incident in a way because you brought him to a game night and you did well at pay to flips. And then obviously you got more tools, namely, you know, in the obvious beautiful additions to X-Men of Rogue and X-23, which are just incredible characters in the game in general. And I think obviously in their home, it's a really good place for them. So it makes a lot of sense. And then I see, you know, you brought one of your favorite characters to play that you're very experienced with, which is Black Panther on top of that as well. He's pretty badass. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a strong character. So, and he, uh, he, he obviously likes these shapes and these sort of crises as well. So, okay, that's just kind of framing our discussion going forward because I think it's going to come up in a lot of your battle reports. But moving on to the crisis cards extractions, you had cubes, spider infected and hammers. Once again, you have. A lot of things on the map, a lot of things to pick up, a lot of things to pay for, right? Yeah, I part of me wanted to avoid the larger number of extracts because if you're holding an extract, you can't do the storm jump. And so I wanted to shy away from it, but I felt like I needed some way to have an advantage. And this was also something unique to X-Men. So that's why cubes and spider infected were were in. And then I just needed a a third one and I went with hammers because it's kind of neutral-ish. Like it's certainly like it's one that there could easily be a new extract that comes out and I would drop hammers like on a moment's notice. It was not really optimal for my team in any way. And it was just one where I was like, well, hopefully hammers will just make it so I'm not losing on extracts. But you got characters that really like hammers too. I mean, I know there's discussions about this all the time in mcp but it's like yeah all characters like hammers i get that yeah. but domino is I, definitely one of the better characters to hold a hammer i was about to say domino and x23 i might even be overkill with how consistent she is with her dice but i mean it seems really good like characters like domino and x23 having a hammer just like Rogue's giving them a little bit more consistent. Too, yeah. <laughs> yes and rogue it's just rogue. Well, she's, the she's downside awesome. is is i think x-men ride this like edge of living that I feel Mm -hmm. like hammers can also spike the other way where suddenly that's just enough bonus power for them to get dazes when they otherwise wouldn't. And so it, it it has a negative impact on the other side too. So I don't love hammers for Mm -hmm. X-Men. It was just, I didn't have room if I were to like leave that as like alien ship or something then I would need to like work in voodoo or black cat or something to help me deal with that. Um, and so it just felt like for the roster that hammers was going to be the safest, like distanced, distance sixth crisis card, the least significant of them. Okay. Yeah. Cause I know you and I have had conversations in the past about hammers and you're like talking about kind of some crises everybody's bringing. And it's like, there's always validity to not, maybe not bringing those, like maybe the hammers or the demons downtown that are, we're seeing a lot of the place, like you said, that are more neutral that a lot of people are playing. So I wanted to like pick your mind about that and see why you went with hammers, but it makes sense. And I also think, I mean, first class too, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was also one where I was a little concerned about how much criminal syndicate was being played. And I felt like me losing priority to criminal syndicate is going to be, or like web warriors could be one of the hardest matchups for me to try to play out of. Okay. And I thought that hammers might help me in those situations. Cause I'm probably a bit more offensive than criminal Certainly. syndicate or web warriors. So it may, or it may be that I'm not the best at it, but if I'm in some of my worst case situations that maybe the hammers are slightly better for me than they were for my opponent was my theory anyway. Okay. And last thing I want to touch on before we get into your game. So we didn't really dive super deep into your list because I think a lot of self-explanatory, but I did mention, you know, we talked about the Black Order splash. We talked about Thanos countering 
another Black Order team, especially Thanos with X-Men. We didn't, we touched on Black Panther, but I want to talk about Black Panther and Toad, them kind of coming in. Was Toad just your most obvious two threat choice? I mean, obviously, I'm sure people would immediately ask, did you consider Honey Badger? Did you consider Toad and Honey Badger? And then how did Black Panther get in? Well, Black Panther is basically a requirement. I really can't imagine Mm -hmm. him being a different character in this unless I was trying to go for some sort of dual affiliation that really needed me to play something else in that. Okay. Like, theoretically, that spot could be Medusa. And so maybe if I were trying to do maybe an A-Force dual affiliation or something, and I wanted that slot to be something that would be affiliated for them, but did something similar, then maybe, like I said, it could be Medusa. But Black Panther provides me with a long mover, like an above average durability push. It just Black Panther kind of does everything. Yeah, he does. And And, and these shapes you have, too. Like I mentioned, he's he's a big fan of these shapes. Toad is just, I think, the best overall two threat for this roster Mm -hmm. you absolutely cannot play this version of the roster and just switch toad to honey badger no uh you actually lose way more than what you would realize and we'll get into that in some of the games um because there's there's a game that was basically decided because of toad where toad was my game mvp um, and actually, as I go through the games, there's different games where different characters are my MVP, and it actually is kind of pretty well spread. Um, That's but good. Toad, Toad is actually pretty critical for some of my favorite situations for this roster. Um, however, if I were changing the roster, that spot could be Bullseye or Okoye without mm-hmm. too much, without losing too much. And so it's just that his spot is slightly flexible depending on what you want to do with the second affiliation. Like, okay. And when we can talk about that more probably in a in a bonus episode about me, what I want to do with this roster next. That sounds exciting because, yeah, that would be obviously something I'd be really interested to hear about is you just dropping the Black Order, what that would look like going forward with that, you know, if that was an option. And I don't know. But I, I definitely I don't wanted if... to play Black Order as little as possible was my goal. Well, I'm sure people love to hear that because <laughs> <Yeah>. black order <laughs> yeah it's 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 a tough thing right now and it's you know we're seeing them everywhere for a good reason but i'm i'm happy that they were the true splash here and you know that that's really cool to see i, yeah. I guess time it's time ominous to move on to your battle reports and your games starting with you know adepticon 2020 the contest of champions so what was match one like for you actually in fact before match one how many matches were in the first grouping of matches the first day yeah uh, it was going to be four games on day one. So four games is quite a bit. I mean, four games, that's a lot one day. Yeah, I mean, it's not its not too bad. I mean, yeah. I remember doing six games of War Machine back in the day, but don't have right. that kind of stamina right now. So, But was was going in with four, and honestly, I was just like, you know what, if I can just go three and one with X-Men day one, I was going to be happy with that, and I feel like that I would learn mm-hmm. a lot from it. Um, and so that was kind of my mindset, just like go in, play all four games, no matter what, and see if I can come out with at least a three and one. Okay. So let's get into that first game of four then let's hear about all right, what you so, played and, and what it looked like. So game one is probably the one I remember the least. Thankfully I did take some pictures and was posting on Twitter as I was going through the, uh, the event. And so I believe this one, I lost priority, but my opponent had me uh my opponent wanted to do their extracts right is what i think happened so we ended up playing spider portals and possibly it was spider portals and hammers 
Maybe this one's this one's a little fuzzy. I'm not 100% sure, but two of your crises, yeah. Yeah, this is actually was a pretty pretty common combination. Um but we ended up playing at 18 and mm-hmm. I chose Storm X23 Domino Black Panther and then Corvus with Reality. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And then I was playing against an Avengers team um that was running uh that had Hulk and um, I believe they were running Voodoo as well. Uh, I forget the full team makeup, but Steve Avengers. I don't recall. I played a mix. <laughs> I played. I played both. Yep. Yeah. Over the course of the event, I think maybe this one was a Steve, but I know it had Voodoo and I know it had Hulk. Um, and it was a lot of me like trying to stay away from Hulk. This I did my real traditional. Um, I just tried to like get parity with hammers and then. Late in the round, what I do is on spider portals, one of my very first activations is usually Domino will move forward. She will pick up the after because I'll first class. So she'll pick up a hammer mm-hmm. if the hammer is there and then she'll interact with the crisis. If right. she gets moved off the crisis, then she'll just walk back into place and I just check and then make sure that she's within range two of Corvus. And so he's sitting kind of max distance off the deployment. And then she's as far forward as she can be, but within range two of him. And then my last activation, sometimes earlier, if my opponent does something weird and abandons their portal, and then what I'll do is I'll leadership Corvus off of Domino. So he does this big leapfrog forward, and then he easily double moves to my opponent's spider portal. And I flip that. Yep. Because he's rolling three dice counting skulls. And so even if someone's on it, he's got like a 70 plus percent chance of uh, controlling it. Right. And so that's usually my common play there. And that is that's usually how I go up on someone round one, because there's unless you put two people on it, in which case if you do that, it's really hard to stop me from scoring both of the ones on the side. And so it's mm-hmm. there's not really a great way to avoid it, because if you leave two people on that point, then Corvus goes and gets a different one. It's, you know, it doesn't, it's kind of hard to avoid, but that means at least what happens is usually I'll go up three to one on the secures and then we'll both have two hammers. And so it's a five, three score uh, to begin with. And then I usually try to leverage that to my eventual victory. Absolutely. Yeah. So if that switches, like you're saying, like if something changes, so say you, you always have Domino within two of Corvus is what you said, but does Corvus have to go the other direction if things change and do you have someone else within range two of him or what? Do no, you it would always, he's usually going to be the last activation, but there mm-hmm. are times like there was, this wasn't, didn't happen in this event, but I have had a situation where someone was sitting with Ghost Rider in front mm-hmm. of their portal. Uh-oh, yeah. And I was like, I am not going to double move someone <laughs> to, like, you know, double no. attack range of Ghost Rider. Not right. worth it. And Ghost Rider has a high enough chance of flipping it back mm-hmm. that that's not quite worth it. So at that point, I will I will stay focused on one of the sides. Um, and then he will he will teleport and then double move to whichever side um, I want to try to take control of or put additional pressure on. So there are a few situations where I don't go for that, but I'd say about nine out of 10 games, I'm usually Corvus or whoever is that character in my roster will be on my opponent's side of the board at the end of round one. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that really helps with the points early on. So you you already be up a point or so, and that's what happened this game. Yeah. And basically I just kind of, this game was a lot of riding that to victory. The okay. final score ended up being 19 to 13. This oh, one wow. was like a little bit of a mixed brawly game. Me 
staying away from Hulk and kind of like as wherever Hulk was going, I was trying to like rotate the board the other direction. So usually wherever <laughs> Hulk was at, he was keeping control of, but mm-hmm. I just tried to not lose my hammers and keep the important characters away. And then, like I said, ra- you know, was able to ride that one out to a, to a 19 to 13 overall victory over Avengers. Awesome. So you're advancing to the second game and the second game, are you going with this sort of mindset of still playing three and one for the day or did that first game just feel really good or the first game felt fine. I was honestly still a little worn out from Mm -hmm. the, the team up event. And so I was still like, man, if I can go three and one playing X-Men most of the time, I'm going to be happy. Ask me that question after game two, right? Uh, (laughs) Game two was also against Avengers. This time it was against a Sam team. I won priority, chose my secures. Um, mm-hmm. and we got spider portals again, but this time it was with cubes. And so this one, I kind of wanted to leverage both my extract plan and my secure plan as much as I could. Okay. So I elected to play Storm Rogue, X-23, Proxima, and Corvus. And so I elected to basically not play Black Panther this time around so that I could have Proxima so that I could do some shenanigans with where I wanted to grab specific, specific extract plays, but that gave me a free point. And so, um, I ended up doing, uh, rogue, um, instead of domino. And I wanted to keep X-23 because I wanted her to hold a cube. I believe my opponent's team, again, was also running Hulk. Um, and then I think it was four threes. I think it was Sam, Cage, Iron Fist, and Iron Man. Okay. Yeah. This one ended up being the game where even though I was playing Corvus, he made zero attacks the whole game. He teleported immediately, grabbed a cube, and then <laughs> backed up and then interacted um to secure the home point. And he basically was operation stay away from everyone and like eventually med packed himself and was just like, stay the hell away from, uh, stay away from my opponent. Um, as best I could. And, and did he just flip secures when, when yeah, he basically just interacted and held cube and wanted to be nowhere near people. If he could at all help it. Uh, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not the way you would expect someone to play Corvus. This was a game where Proxima was doing a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Rogue actually was the one who ended up being on the other side of the board. And at one point, she charged and Southern hospitality Hulk just to like throw him somewhere. I think I only did one point yeah. of damage or something. I just wanted the size four throw and just like Hulk, just go, go big boy. And was just trying to keep him as as like off in the distance as possible to keep him from, you know, I kind of I kept wanting him to be in between two points and not starting his activation where he could interact and then like move and interact or just like stay in double attack. I wanted to constantly keep him keep him being stuck from having an optimal activation, which was which was kind of the priority. Absolutely. Yeah, he can't get action economy, right? That's his biggest downfall if he loses out on that so very good yeah i mean southern hospitality i mean that's why it's one of our favorite spenders on Fury's finest because just that auto throw is just incredible just incredible okay so another avengers game another avengers victory it sounds like you're counting a lot of avengers and you know it's (laughs) funny because i know between you know these two big conventions we've had recently they're 
been a big representation of Avengers, especially dual or triply affiliated Avengers. You know, something that you and I talked about just in the winter, Omnis, about how we thought we'd be seeing a lot more of that. And it's everywhere, you know? I mean, I love the flexibility of Steve or Steve into Sam or Sam on Steve's team or whatever. You know, there's there's a lot of options right now floating out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, This game overall ended up going uh, 17 to 10. Okay. And, you know, I was just, you know, I was holding three cubes and generally, you know, on a fair amount of turns scored three out of four of the secures and was just like kind of kind of writing that out. Um, I think I only ended up dazing one character. I think I dazed Sam at one point because he started realizing like he's got to go after someone. And so he kind of he went for like a charge and airlift iron fist and was trying to kind of get in there. But I was able to like perfectly maneuver things where at one point I had thrown Sam away from Iron Fist so that he couldn't get off the heroes for hire. And then the next time I was going in to attack and like finish off Sam, he was at zero power. I was able to kind of like keep the heroes for hire play off the table to protect Sam. And so then I got a, a, a key days on Sam at a certain point. And uh, I said, it's just uh, X-Men are real Active good. Gems. Yeah. I just rode the X-Men strength to uh, to victory there. And something I haven't asked yet, and this come up in these first two games, but it's, you know, it's probably a simple answer to a simple question, but where was Storm in all these games? Was she on your back safe, secure, pretty much, on these games, or was she doing no, something else? No, Storm actually almost always goes towards one of the middle secures, okay. and then usually has to run away at some point. Um, okay, she was holding a cube. I can't remember for how much of the game, but I know at the end she was holding a cube. Um, so I can't remember if she finished off Sam and like took his or something. But because of her four energy defense, I really don't like her being the one who sits back on mine. I right. want to get her up there and have her roll for one of the more important ones that maybe I only have one shot at, or she's going to move up and like try to flip one that my opponent has already flipped. Um, and so I almost always position her for that, but, uh, she usually takes a beating like storm storm yeah. is always on the cusp of dying every game. Yeah. Which is scary as an X-Men player because you know, the storm hop is so powerful and the, the cover is really nice. So I know just her staying alive is paramount, but also you, you do bring up a lot of good points with like, just her four energy defense in general. That's not very common. A lot of characters of her three threat, you know, range. So it makes, makes sense. That's, that's where she goes. It's just a question that came up where I was like, okay, that that's what I'm thinking about. And we haven't talked about X 23 yet, but I mean, does X 23 so far, it sounds like you've been mainly just doing the secures and fighting as little as you can, but is X 23 fighting more than the rest of your team or is that um, not really this the case? One where she grabbed a cube pretty early on she grabbed one of the cubes on my side and so she was not someone that i was trying to get near the fight because i I generally wanted her to activate you know heal back the damage from the cube and like go interact somewhere so this was not a game where i was fighting with her a bunch like rogue and proxima did way more of the fighting for me in this particular matchup because i don't think either of them ended up with cubes if i recall something like that right so they like they you know i figured with their invulnerability like they were the characters that are kind of like they were kind of like tying up characters as best as i could um okay. and getting involved and like the ones who were making more attacks in this game were uh were probably them okay very cool so now ominous after this game what how are you feeling because you only have two more games left for the day well something about Mike, which was the player that um, I had in round two, I felt pretty rejuvenated after this game. Oh, Um, I think it was just, you know, it's just playing with a really cool opponent. Not that my first round opponent wasn't cool. It was just that 
Mike and I were just having good chats and there was something about the game that like hit my extrovert, you know, Mm -hmm. just started like rejuvenating me. And so I definitely felt way more in the zone after game two where suddenly I was like, all right, we're doing this. We're good. Like (laughs) let's X-Men all the way, baby. Let's see what we can do to me. My X-Men. Yeah, that's excellent. So. All right, that that was just the question that came up because I'm I was wondering like if it was more just you winning two games or you know the point parity being a little wider in the second game, but that actually makes a lot of sense when you play a fun opponent or even on a maybe a terrain setup you really enjoy mixed with a fun opponent and good conversations. Yeah, that really can help you get started and get going for the rest of the day for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, you want to talk about game three? I do. So game three, you're halfway through your day, and you've fought Avengers twice so far, so I'm excited to hear what your third game was. Yes, I was very excited to get a player who was not playing Avengers. Okay, very However, good. it was a criminal syndicate player, which Uh-oh. I was slightly worried about. Um, and then I lose priority. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then on top of losing priority, I get hammers, not one of the extracts I actually liked. What's but the secure though against criminals? That's what it I want to know. Extremist console and hammers. So I okay. seriously debated still playing X-Men. Yep. I'm like, this is not the worst situation for me, but essentially what I came to was, you know what? I brought black order for a reason. I don't want to taint my view of X-Men by playing them into the situation. That's not good for them. Mm-hmm. That, like maybe I pl- maybe I can play my way out of this situation, but maybe I don't. And I was like, you know what? I brought I brought Black Order for a reason. I've played and won two games with X Men. Let me play Black Order in the situation that I kind of brought Black Order for, and get me to game four. And then maybe I do have a four and zero. And so I decided to play Black Order. It was going to be an eighteen threat because uh, I had the choice, so I could choose eighteen, which would allow me to play Thanos, Corvus, Proxima, Toad, which I thought would be a pretty solid setup. He obviously went criminal syndicate. I believe he was playing Kingpin, Mysterio, Bullseye, Hood, Lizard. I feel like there's someone else. Black Hat as well. Yeah. So we had a pretty, pretty extensive team. Um, and so I'm, I'm happy that I brought Black Order into that because I still think I would have just been overwhelmed. It would have just come down to like, do my X-Men roll well enough to get through the characters before Mm -hmm. I lose on scenario. And so what, what ended up happening was is my opponent um, who's a listener of the show. So I felt additionally bad kind of black ordering uh, an Omnis (laughs) protocol fan. Oh man. Um, uh, Noah was, Noah was a super sweet opponent, but he was a little intimidated by getting a character murdered. And Mm -hmm. he, he was at least smart that one of the first characters he moved up was lizard. And so that wasn't someone I was immediately ready to go grab. But then as things were happening, I was like, am I going to get three hammers? Because he <laughs> oh, was no. so cautious about coming up yep. for them. I ended up with uh, Proxima getting a hammer on one side, Corvus getting the hammer on the other side, and then Thanos getting the hammer in the middle. So Mothership wow. was totally off the table, but I was holding three hammers. Yeah, so you're just scoring a lot. And I was like, all right, I'm okay with that. So I didn't actually kill anyone round one. I just used, I just ended up using Thanos to like, he moved over. Basically Proxima went to my right. Toad stayed and scored the the middle. And then Corvus was scoring uh, the left. And what I ended up doing was Thanos double moved up to kind of back up Corvus and Mm -hmm. uh, teleported 
kingpin away. And so I actually went up round one. Um, I can't remember if it ended up being five. I think it, I think it was five to three because, um, his last activation, I think was Mysterio or something. I think, think that's what it was. Um, and so he couldn't actually get where he had positioned Mysterio. He couldn't quite get Mysterio to a point. And so from there, then I had priority and I was like, all right, well, I guess it's time to choose violence. And so I had Corvus, um, inevitable. Yeah. You know, he, uh, he still had one more power because he just picked up a hammer. So glaives edged into uh kingpin got three damage through, which gave him three power to glaives edge again, got four damage through Daze's kingpin. Wow. That's pretty borderline lucky. I do think I had a death decree in there, which I think helps because Thanos yeah. was over there. Quite a bit, um, yeah. So that definitely assisted that situation. But I was still like that happened like to the point. And then beginning of round three, I uh, KO'd Kingpin and just, you know, super murdered Kingpin. Yeah. Um, and then that was basically the writing on the wall. Black Hat came over. I think she stole a hammer, but then Thanos just like pinned her up against a wall and just like double punched her and oh, dazed man. her, like slamming her up against a wall multiple times. And then, <laughs> uh, and then I think it was like beginning of round four. We realized, oh, I have to score a point for killing Kingpin. And then I'm like, mm. I'm at 15. And I was like, Glaive's Edge, murder, Black Hat, and it was over. Yeah, because that Black Order point, right? Yeah. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, we he and I talked about that game a bit afterwards. Um, right. And what I said was, is I would have actually really liked to see or, or have Lizard go to one side just like he had done, but have Mysterio go after the other and his yep. concern was that if the if the crisis elements were deployed at all incorrectly, then Mysterio wouldn't make it. And I was like, dude, if you deployed Mysterio directly across from that center extract, I would let you get there. <laughs> and he's like, I don't think most people would. And I'm like, I really hope that's not the case, because that's just like mathematically you should be able to get there. Is he talking uh, about the one? So the one on like his left side or... Yeah, just one, one of the two the two middle ones that are in the middle of the board. Right, right, right. Mysterio can get there if he's directly across. There's not a lot of breathing room, but mm-hmm. yeah, as long as there wasn't terrain that like blocks good landing spots for the halfway mm-hmm. point, right. he should be able to get there. And I, but I think you should be able to pick one or the other side, and one of them should be feasible for Mysterio. And I think okay. Mysterio and Lizard being the two in the middle grabbing the points because if I have to go after either of them early on, those are those are a little tougher KOs. Um, yeah. uh, I definitely don't think you you, you want to give me Kingpin right away. But I just think he he couldn't couldn't give me three hammers. I just, they think almost as soon as that happened, I was feeling really good about the game. Yeah, that's sort of the double-edged sword of the Black Order there, right? People are so scared, as they should be, of getting sucked in and dazed round one that, yeah, you inadvertently, you scored more. So that's, that's that works. That works as yep. well. <laughs> so... Well, at okay, least I didn't so- mess them up. I have, like, I haven't played a Black Order game in quite a while. Um, yeah, so that's I was, what's crazy. I'm glad yeah. I didn't, like, throw them off but i played them a lot like back when black order first released and i was trying to figure them out so i had gotten a pretty good pretty good grasp of them and i've watched so many black order games recently i felt like again had a pretty good grasp so just glad i didn't mess anything up there yeah makes perfect sense and you didn't end up using mothership that game right because it's just the hammer situation oh, yeah, i played all, I played so few tactics cards that game yeah. because i think maybe i just med packed someone at some point i think someone put a little damage on corvus or thanos something like that 
Um, and so I just, I think I just used a med pack and that was about it. Cause literally I could never play mothership. There was, everyone had a hammer. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Oh man. Um, so, well, I, I guess we got to move on to round four because you did play your one black order game, yep. but I feel like you're going back to X-Men. I'm excited to hear about more X-Men and more different matchups for this roster. So what did you yeah, end so, up look, what did round four look like actually? So I'll start off by saying forewarning, there is no more Black Order games. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, if you <laughs> come for Black Order tech, that was it. I, I took advantage of someone with Black Order, felt dirty enough as it was, went yep. fully back to X-Men for the next games. That's um, what I'd like to hear. <laughs> so game four is actually streamed. You can go watch this game with commentary on the professional casual network. Because this okay. was me versus Nate uh, Ghost Deer from Alfredo's Size 3 Taco Truck, a Marvel Crisis Protocol podcast. That's right. Yeah. Um, long title. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was Guardians of the Galaxy versus X-Men. Oh, boy. Okay. So yes, I do want to hear about won this. priority, which was great. But mm-hmm. I was not happy when we picked Crisis Cards because I got Deadly Meteors and he got Research Station. Oh, so yeah. this is like two all or nothing crisis cards middle of the board yep. against a like a super spam guardians list that's running like venom and x23 and honey badger as it splashes yep right C&E. and so yeah uh, i was like this is going to be murder and i actually had some some concern about my guardians matchup cuz i just thought that like their volume of quality attacks would just be too mu- possibly be too much for me right so, uh, obviously the choice was 17 or 16. He chose 17 because obviously that would be the less optimal for Black Order. Okay. Yep. Which made it easier for me to not play Black Order. Great. That's kind of what I wanted. Um, <laughs> I elected to play Storm, X23, Domino, Corvus, and Proxima. The reason for this was I wanted, um, above average durability for the center of the table. Okay. And I thought, even though the core, I didn't need Corvus and Proxima for the, um, the extract plays. I just thought, well, one, I do want Corvus for interacting with stuff on the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, sure, I could like tweak and maybe instead of Domino run rogue and run toad in the other spot. But I just, I thought with storm who at least has four energy defense against rocket and star lord and stuff domino has the the crit shenanigans corvus and proxima have invul x23 has a reroll and healing i want to just kind of like above the average defenses and i knew that this game was going to come down to some murder which was <laughs> absolutely the case okay um and it's it's hard to go through like exactly what happened in this game because there was so much to it but basically what happened is I went pretty all in on the crisis right away. And I did manage to go up all five points round one um, okay. because he didn't quite want to move um, Rocket and Groot into the middle or Star-Lord into the middle. And so it, he he and Nebula couldn't interact. Um, and so there was this, he didn't want to fully commit. He was definitely going to play for an attrition advantage. So he was kind of setting things up. And then I was just thankful I didn't take too much damage round one. Now, uh, I had priority. And Mm -hmm. so I know I immediately went for murder. 
And did, I'm did you move the researcher towards him or did you move the researcher bit. like okay, I, I didn't kind of to the I didn't side. Want to, like if I moved it straight towards him, I was basically like moving it straight towards like the Rocket Moon and Star Lord, basically. Yeah. And so I kind of moved it a little towards him, but kind of to the side a little. I was kind of moving it towards his nebula, thinking like, well, she's not gonna score it at least, but it's not it's not getting closer to my side at least. And so mm-hmm. if if that switches back, then it's not a it's not a huge loss for me. And he would still have to move it twice more to like get it so he's he's able to get that comeback. But I'm pretty sure what happened what happened right away is I'm pretty sure I popped off with X23 right away because I think she took some damage. So I was like, seems like a good enough time to activate X23. Yep. And I'm pretty sure she um she dazed Nebula. And I want to say put some hurt on Groot. And then that prompted for uh, a fairly early Groot activation. And I think they went for um, uh, Lovable Misfits. And I got really lucky that Lovable Misfits didn't end up doing a lot. Okay. And I might be doing some of this order, but Lovable Misfits happened at some point during this game. And he got the full on one and like stunned rocket and star Lord, I think. Mm. And then two of the things were moves. So that wasn't super helpful. And then I think nebula triggered an auto damage on like three or four characters. So it was like, okay, but it wasn't crazy. But what ended up being the really interesting part about round two is things were looking pretty decent for me, but I think I had dazed Groot and dazed uh nebula and so the re and i was like corvus hasn't activated because i think what had happened was is uh nebula had shocked proxima but even with mm-hmm. her four dice energy spears she ended up doing enough damage to groot that i like finished him off with someone mm. something like that and so i was like well corvus who's corvus going to attack and i was like <laughs> hasn't activated i have climbing gear i have the power but if I do this, I give him priority. And that was kind of scary. And I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to do it. I think there's so much consequence. A winging it token, Star-Lord right. within range of a bunch of people. And I mean, Corvus just, he had the power to like Glaive's Edge. And he's just like, I think he one shot Star-Lord actually. Wow. Um, wow. But then he gets priority. And then with priority, he's like, all right, he wants to do the rocket activation with Deadly Duo. And I think he was shooting at Proxima domino x23 something like that and one of them had cover and i just think over his whole rocket activation i think he only ended up doing two or three points of damage Mm. Um, it was just because of invulnerability and cover and re-roll and it's just like his dice being just slightly below average and mine being just slightly better like it just he just didn't get anything out of me giving him priority and so we're like, all right then. <laughs> and I think I decided to do X23 that round, but then I, I can't remember if that was the round that she popped off or if that was the round that she kind of fizzled, but that turn ended up being a pretty big swing for me. No, I think I, uh, I think I actually killed Star Lord that round. Um, I was okay. like, well, let's just get him off the table so there'll be no more winging it in the future. Um, and because I went up 10 to zero, um, it just, uh, it kind of spiraled out from there where my roles did calm down a bit, but right. um, his uh, uh, and his got a little bit better. And so we, we were losing a lot of characters. I think come the end of the game, 
I had lost Storm and X-23, but he had lost Rocket. He had lost Star-Lord. He had lost Nebula. Um, he had lost Groot. And then I think I'd even dazed Venom. Um, and so we were at this key point where basically he moved a character. I think he moved Rocket over to be in position to uh, field dressing Venom. And that was going to be his way to keep the game going. And mm-hmm. I was just like, all right, Domino walks forward. Do I get three damage on Rocket? And I do because it's Domino. It's um, Domino, yeah. Yeah. And so he's like, I knew you'd probably see it, but I had to like go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he... uh I had used Storm to attack Venom from outside of range three. And right. so, you know, like six die energy because she had been dazed. And then I forget I, how she died. Storm. But yeah, but it um, it meant it so Venom didn't have a chance to counterattack. So that's how I got him dazed. And um, I, I think the, the final score ended up being 17 to three because um, he had gotten... Um, he did end up getting the deadly meteors that round. Um, I maybe okay. could have switched it back, but it wasn't super relevant because we were at a point in the game where literally all I have to do is walk Corvus and Proxima to the researcher and I was going to go up to 17. Um, so yeah, that's a pretty big point difference, right. but I just want the listeners to understand this was a game that could have easily gone either way. Um, just because it was 17 to 13 doesn't mean that this wasn't a close game. There was a lot of roles where if things had gone just a little bit differently one way or the other, it could have been really crazy. And I, I was sweating the whole time. Yeah. So the final score is 17 to three is what you said. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. Like this is a good textbook example of those matches that you have where you are sweating, where it is a lot of like, especially when you're trying to a team like this and you walk away and you tell your, friends well this is the final score and you know they'll say well that that seems like you know a big differential and you say well no this and that and you know perspective is everything with the games because i think it's helpful to hear the battle report in that way it actually does paint the picture better as you're talking about because uh guardians can hit really hard above their weight class and that's kind of what they're here to do and when you play objectives like that like the researcher and like meteors i mean somebody's just scoring those and that's it. You know, it's not like there's no spread all over the map or anything, right. Or some sprinkling of points. It's somebody's getting two or four from the researcher and somebody's getting three. Yeah. And they fully admitted that he knew that deadly meteors was a weak spot for his roster. And he just kind of felt like he had to dodge because it's not played that much. Mm -hmm. And, um, we talked about some other potential builds where he would use like Drax and winter soldier and stuff instead um, but I think he just needed he needed either deadly duo or misfits to like to leverage a bit more of an advantage into me. And I just mm-hmm. I think I played every single one of my tactics cards, just like a key yep. sacrifice here, you know, climbing gear at the right moment. And it just uh, everything kind of came together for me with having the right power at the right times for the right plays. Um, and so it, uh, it it worked out. But and that's a game that. If we played that game 10 times, I think it could easily go 50-50. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and maybe that's because I'm so scared of that crisis combination. Maybe it is better for me, and I don't know it, and I haven't played it enough. But it's a scary combination. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe Corvus and Proxima, like you said, with the invulnerability, helps you get around that. But I also, when I would see that crisis as an X-Men player, I would consider Rogue, too, uh, in my mind. But I know the points aren't always going to fit that um because of it you know flipping the energy and on top of that just the invulnerability as well in rogue you know 
but yeah, I think I think what maybe won you the game was just you dogpiling the middle round one, you know, like you said, just kind of going for it and um, asking questions of him. Yeah, it was definitely like choosing the right order for stuff, getting the most out of like X-23's healing. I, I, I did feel like my order of activation was really on point that particular game. And I was really happy with, you know, which character I activated at which time and how I utilized them. I felt like I made really good, solid decisions that whole way through, despite how much chaos there really was. <laughs> and what a game to end your first day, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely a sweaty one. But Nate is a great opponent and a person that I recorded with on his Guardians team. And he was trying something a little bit different. I think his other version with Ghost Rider would have been a lot harder for me. Like if he was playing his LBO roster, I think he would have been significantly more advantaged than what this game showed, where Mm -hmm. um, him running two characters that can't interact and not having Ghost Rider. Yeah, I think I think that was his Adepticon version, I think, favored me more than his LVO version would have. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So now you're done with your first day. So how are you feeling at this point? I'm just like you said, that was a pretty sweaty one. But I mean, the fatigue of four games after playing the team event before that. Right. How are you feeling at this moment? I was feeling very happy. I was like four and oh with. X-Men being three out of those games and seeing people start being like, wait a minute, one of the teams is (laughs) X-Men. That's the dream right there. That's awesome. Right. I was very, I was definitely happy that I stuck it out with X-Men and saw Mm -hmm. like how it would go. And I didn't realize how many other people would be running pay to flips. And so there's a lot of people that were running pay to flips because they wanted to disadvantage criminal syndicate and web warriors, but not realizing they weren't as good at, they were not as good at pay to flips as I am. And so that it was um, that meta choice, I think really, really helped me. Okay. Yeah. That, that actually makes a a lot of sense because the fear right now is very high of web warriors and criminals as it should be. They're very strong factions in the game. So I could see why a lot of people would bring those pay to flips and try to hedge against that. So with your day ending here with the four games, kind of talk us through what the rest of the day was like, because, you know, a lot of us didn't go to Adepticon, so we'll kind of vicariously live through you, what the rest of the day <laughs> well, looked like, well, and then and then what was the prep for the next day? Like, how, do, how does all that work for this tournament in particular? Well, we knew we knew it was going to be me and uh, Nate from Gamers Guild. That was determined um, okay. because there was one person who was dropping because they were playing in a different event on Sunday, and so that moved the fifth place up to fourth, and that person had already played against Nate, and so the way that the was going to work out. It was going to be Nate and I playing. And so we, we knew that in advance and I just spoiled a bunch of my tech to Nate. Totally fine. Right. But, um, so we knew that was going to be the matchup. I knew I was going to have another Avengers game and there was a good chance that that game would probably be streamed. Cause why not? But yeah, let's, let's launch into that one. So we get to the table and he knew about my extract play. So even though he won priority, mm-hmm. he didn't want to have to play into my extract game. And since he didn't have cubes or spiders, he thought it would be better with priority for him to choose extracts and then mm-hmm. get my secures. Cause our, I think the only difference was is that I had deadly meteors and he had a uh, gamma. And so I think. He, he thought he could leverage more advantage by getting extracts, which I agree with, actually, in his case. So and he had ended Mutant Madmen as well? Yes, he had Mutant Madmen and Spider Portals, mm-hmm. same as me. Okay. So what we ended up with was Spider Portals and Montessi Formula. Interesting. So he, um, I played Storm, Domino, X-23, Black Panther, and Corvus. And okay. he played 
Steve, Iron Fist, and uh, Luke Cage, and Black Panther, and what else am I forgetting? Oh, Black Cat. Yeah, that sounds right. Maybe there's something else. I don't know. I'm forgetting now. There was definitely Black Cat, Steve, Luke Cage. That's 10. Black Panther. Was there another four in there? Oh, Voodoo. He had Voodoo. Mm. He did not have... uh, he did not have Iron Fist. He immediately moved up with Luke Cage to grab the central center Montesi formula. I did the the normal play, and what ended up happening at the end is Corvus took the spider portal on his side, which he was not expecting. He did not see that play coming. So I was able awesome. to go up four to three because he had two okay. formulas, one portal. I had one formula, three portals. So he was not happy about playing behind. But then... The key moment that kind of defined the game is we're kind of late round two, and I was hoping for a way to kind of seize control. Like, I already kind of had it. I was advantaged, but I wanted a way to really leverage it as things were not looking super great on the Corvus side. Corvus had moved over towards Voodoo, but Voodoo got off like this big sap on him and was getting possessed. Uh, And mm -hmm. so I was not real happy about that. But I had this opportunity. Storm is in range of Black Cat because she had been bumped off of the point by rolling a skull. So okay. Storm rolls a shot into Black Cat. And I get two damage. And so now the math is that if I get two damage on six dice, even if I don't kill her with two, you know, two damage doesn't kill her, but I can throw her. And yep. so I'm like, sure, let's go for it. Roll the six dice. And the problem is I roll two successes. She rolls one which means now I'm dealing her one damage and I don't Mm -hmm. have enough to throw. And I gave her the exact amount of power where she long moves, long moves, hops, Mm -hmm. and then steals from Domino. Mm. And now the game is tied up. Yep. If I had done zero damage on that last attack or one less damage overall, she doesn't have the power to do it. If I deal one more, she's either dazed or she indomitables. I like either way. And so it's really hard to say, like part of me wants to say that that was a mistake and that cost mm-hmm. me the game, but mm-hmm. the odds of it going to that exact number are very, very low. It's hard to say, but that kind of turned things around. Okay. And then from there, there was a lot of key situations. Like uh, I made a mistake and I forgot that even though I had dazed Steve, he had field dressing, which I remembered, but I forgot about the med pack. And so I was thinking Mm. he was at one. So there's a point where I activate X23 to try to finish off Steve and then realize he had four health, not one health. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that's not the right activation order then. And then I get him re-dazed. And then to interact with Corvus, I just need one damage on Voodoo. And I do a Glaive's Edge five damage hit with Pierce. But Voodoo (laughs) rolls six blocks. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I get zero damage. And so I can't interact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that sucked. And then I went for two riskier plays on the bottom secure. Neither of those pan out. They were not great odds. It probably would have been better for me to just have Storm move once, throw the activated Luke Cage off and set up for Black Panther to have a better odds of flipping. Mm-hmm. But I didn't do that either. And so um, eventually things spiraled out of control. And I think I ended up losing 16 to 10. And we were very close to time anyway. So really, really good game. At least I I felt like it was my game to lose. And unfortunately, I found a way to lose it. Um, (laughs) Nate played perfectly. I made some questionable calls. Uh, I think if 
after that first two damage on Black Cat, if I just thrown her away, I would be leading by at least two points going into that next round. And that probably would have been the safer play. So even if he is able to get off a steal that next round, he's only making up one point. And Mm -hmm. then maybe I don't go for riskier plays. And by the time time is called, I would still probably be one or two points ahead. Um, So that probably would have been the safer decision. But I just, I was worried that if Black Cat made some key plays that maybe he was going to get that point back anyway. And I thought the, I thought the risk was kind of worth it in the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. It's hard to say, obviously I ended up losing, um, but I would say that Nate played it. Basically every decision that was at Nate's feet felt perfect. And I felt like I made some questionable plays. So, but I mean, if you're going to lose to anyone, Nate is like one of the coolest, most awesome people you'll meet at a convention. So, you know, it's absolutely like, if you're going to, it's, you know, it's not the opposite where you're like, you lose to someone. You're like, Oh, I hate that guy. Um, (laughs) But Nate, you're like, man, you're just so sweet. I can't even feel bad about losing to you. So uh, do you have any questions about that one? Well, my first question is what made Black Panther come up in that game and why was it Black Panther over Rogue? Because is this our first appearance oh, of Black I'll pretty Panther much always so far? Play Black Panther on that crisis. Okay. He's, on, he's fast. On, he's got the push. Like, on Spider Portals? Yeah. Okay. I basically, I'll, I'll, if I'm playing Spider Portals, I usually try to play Black Panther because of his because of his overall speed, his ability to yep. push. Like He's just a consistently awesome character. How did he perform in that game? Good. Uh, he was one where uh, I didn't really set him up for success. I when I was using him in key the key moment where I kind of needed him. If I had done the storm throw first, he would have actually kind of kept me in the game. But because I went for I went for I think a uh, a storm needing uh, three successes on four mm-hmm. dice and failed, mm-hmm. and Black Panther went for a point where he needed two on three and failed. Yeah, I just I I didn't set him up for success, and then there was there was another point where yeah I I just I didn't end up liking some of the decisions that I made after making the storm black hat mistake. I just think I made multiple mistakes, so I didn't really give Black Panther the normal opportunity he has to shine. Okay, yeah, definitely. But I like your thought process why you always bring him on spider portals. That makes a lot of sense. So this is your first loss at this point, which I mean, it's saying something because you're five games in, which is crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So four and one, the last game. So now playing for third, I get someone who has a criminal syndicate slash spider foes roster. Okay. On this one, I won priority and got to choose my secures. And then it still came up mutant madman and hammers. Oh, that's uh, hilarious. I was, and he, so he went foes, which I was a little, I forgot that he could do it actually in that moment. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he was doing green goblin, doc, Ock, juggernaut, lizard, and hood. And then I do, I basically, if I'm playing mutant madman at 18, I basically always play this team now, which is storm domino X 23 beast toad, black Panther. Okay. It's amazing. It okay. feels really weird to be playing X-Men and not be playing Rogue on Mutant Mad Men. It does, But this yeah. team is actually so good that even when I was considering re- changing the roster to have another four so that I could play like Storm, a three, Rogue, Black Panther, and then like another four threat with like four physical, I realized mm-hmm. the six character version is just better. Okay. And so in this one, I did a pretty normal 
he did this like so he did not bring well-laid plans but he brought sinister traps so a lot of my deployment was based around sinister traps and so Mm -hmm. toad provides me with a cool option because toad can deploy in range to interact with my uh, hammer Mm -hmm. and so he can grab it without triggering the traps and move away if they put it on that hammer so i put toad for that And then I kind of had X-23 somewhat middle so that if he put the trap on either of my sides, I would trigger it with with X-23 and I would use the leadership or basically I would walk her, leadership her to within range of it. And then and then she would get pushed away, take damage, and then she'd walk back to that point, interact with it and heal. Yep. And so he didn't really get anything out of the trap. Like his trap actually just gave X-23 an extra power besides messing with my deployment. But he gets um, he gets a hammer with jugs. I get a hammer with Domino and Black Panther. And then I think his Doc Ock got a hammer hmm? was, yep. I think, what happened. So yep. but he put like most of his characters on uh, my left hand side and like just Lizard on the right, which I was OK with. So that meant Domino and Black Panther swung that direction so that I could keep my hammers away from his damage dealing force. Mm-hmm. And then I basically was using Storm, Beast and X-23 to kind of like battle his primary force. And because okay. Juggernaut was in the middle, Storm actually came up and with her first attack, she actually got a little bit of a spike and got two damage through on Jugs. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and so he was a little, so I'm like, Ooh, suddenly him being at six is a whole lot easier than eight. So <laughs> I went pretty heavily into him and got a couple more, I think one or two more damage with beast in there and then dazed him pretty early on in round two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically I would say the core element of this game ended up being toad just running around doing these like 50 50 flips on his opponent's extracts where he <laughs> wanted lizard to come after panther and domino mm-hmm. but toad like ran over there interacted got the 50 50 and oh, so wow. then that like forced lizard to deal with toad and he couldn't come after mine and so allowed me to get my panther into a better position and then after that toad like runs over to the other side because that one's been abandoned and doc ock and uh, everyone's like trying to come after my force, but then Toad hops over there and interacts with that one. And so now one of his characters has to back up to like reflip that one. And so Toad was just this constant menace in the background where he was, he was literally the character that gave me the point advantage. And then I finally had kind of like rearranged Black Panther so he could get to the other side of the, the Fisk four that comes in the construction pack mm. where with where the spider portal was, I couldn't interact with it from the right side of it, but I could from the left. And so I had to like get to the spot to be able to like push lizard off of it and interact. And so it was a, uh, it was a little wonky for him. So I couldn't get the Panther advantage right away, but eventually I was leveraging that spot as well. And uh, it grounded out to, uh, to me eventually winning that game over over criminal syndicate. And I'm not sure we actually lost that many characters in that one. Didn't end up killing juggernaut, but uh, there was a decent amount of hurt spread around, but I was just happy that I was able to keep my two hammer characters away from most of his damage. But there was a point where, Oh, jugs had had a hammer. And then I got mm-hmm. that hammer, I think onto beast, but then beast ends up getting dazed by doc ox or doc ox ends up with two hammers. But then at oh, one point X 23 dazes doc ox. And Hot so potato. she, she yeah. like, I put the hammers kind of far out and then she does her assassin frenzy to the other mm-hmm. side of it, grabs both of them and then moves even further away with both hammers. And so he has to like, go get the hammers. And I just was forcing <laughs> him to 
uh, keep keeping him focused on that stuff that was just kind of like getting him back to even while I was just slowly gaining one point on him each round. Wow. Yeah. So what was the final score on that one? Um, just a second. I have to double check. What was the, the final score? Thankfully I was tweeting all of this stuff. So I have a little bit of reference for myself yeah, um, absolutely. to refer back to just trying to, you know, keep people, keep people informed. Let's see. Final score stuff's not showing up in order. I think it's because people have retweeted my stuff. And so mm-hmm. yep. it's showing me the order that stuff has been retweeted. Like, nope, that's the round two. That's the round one. Ask me a different question in the meantime while I search for this. So playing a spider foes player, very interesting at this point, you know, someone like me who's played a lot of spider foes, but was this player, you said it was a half criminal syndicate, half spider foes roster. Were they leveraging criminals most of the day? Did you get any of that information out of them or were they, I didn't know this it, at the time, but I think they were yeah. playing foes most of the day, but they so had they, the ability to play, criminals, uh, they had the ability yeah. to play criminal syndicate, but I think they were mostly playing foes and they did well. Yeah. Right. The They're, weird thing was, is they ended up playing against all three of first, second and third. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty intense. Yeah. And did the other question I have with that game, uh, being the Green Goblin fan that I am, did Green Goblin do anything of note in that game? Did Green Goblin get flipped and get on the backside and start dazing a lot of models? Or did did you just avoid Green Goblin most of that game? Um, he was doing work. He was not one of the characters that I uh, that I ended up dazing. He was dropping pumpkin bombs on people. He was doing a lot of work in the beast because choosing energy against beast to energy defense. So he, he was, he was definitely, he was definitely doing work. But yeah, honestly, I don't remember what that exact score ended up being. I want to say it was something like 16, 12, something like that. It was, right. it was still a, a relatively tight game. And that's your last game of the day, right? Yep. So overall, five and one. I felt like Crazy. I represented well for X-Men. Absolutely. And where did that put you in the standings for like the entire tournament? We had agreed to top tables uh, rules, mm-hmm. so I got third. Um, by tiebreakers, it would have been would have been second. So that did confuse some people. Where they there was an article that went up that said that I got second, which was incorrect. That was just if you're looking purely at the tiebreakers, I was second. Mm-hmm. But uh, we we all knew in advance that it was a top table event, and so the two people at the top table would be first and second. Right. So you're saying top table in the way it's just the final people that make the table, which now we know yeah. in retrospect, Whoever's Nate was playing one of the finals game is first and second that's generally what top table rule means right which it's always a rule i really enjoy personally but and we know that nate made it to the finals correct which is which is very exciting yeah. after yeah, my only loss, being your only nate loss. Who got first <laughs> so that's that's a good thing and you got third so that's that's pretty crazy so how many people were, were at adepticon for the total amount almost was there it? was 66 people playing in the contest of champions Okay, pretty pretty big number for sure. I mean, that's that's an impressive gathering of MCP players. I knew the yes. number was kind of in flux there until the very end, and I know a lot of it was Adepticon space, which makes a lot of sense. But I was just curious on that as well. Yeah, no, it was it was a great event. Um, I mean, big shout out to uh, Tim and Tisdale. They did such a great job organizing, judging, and you know, huge huge props to the professional casual crew for you know doing Absolutely. so much live streaming. Obviously, two. Two of my games were streamed for that one. The game, both of my Nate games basically um, were okay. streamed. And then the, let's see, uh, the round six game where I was playing for third was recorded by the infamous channel. And so uh, you'll okay. be able to watch that one as well, which I think is a, is a really, 
a really good example of playing X-Men kind of at their strongest. Absolutely. Yeah. And you said that was like one of your favorite threat numbers objectives. Yeah. I feel like if I can play Mad Men at 18, I feel very good with X-Men. That might be my favorite spot. And And people, you know, six wide. uh, Yeah. I'll play that six wide team. And yeah. Yeah. um, I was trying to say, I'm like, I think it might be one of the best teams. And I had people start saying, well, well, what about like just Avengers? And they just start listing all these characters for physical defense. I'm like, it's not just that. It's I have both Black Panther and Beast that can interact with the mutant madmen on my opponent's side round one. And right. I have the leadership move, you know, to I can potentially have three characters interact with my opponents if <laughs> I want to. And most of these other characters with four physical defense can't do that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're playing Avengers, Cage can't interact on my side. Iron Man can't interact on my side. Captain America can't interact on my side, right? Like there's, there's a whole lot that can't do that. It's, there's a, there's a lot more to it than just the fact that, you know, how many four physical defense characters do you have? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really good point there because, I mean, it's a big reason why I know Lizard has four physical defense, so it kind of nullifies this point a little bit. But, I mean, Lizard, just similar to Beast, you know, similar movement yeah. abilities. Um, why Lizard's so good on that exact objective for the same reason and why I play him on my opponent's side every time if that I can. So, you know, in retrospect, everything, getting to look at everything, I something did come up a lot. You didn't play Rogue a ton. Like, you played her once or twice, right, out of your six games? Uh, yeah, I think she, I think I played her once overall, which it kind of comes using her to control Hulk that game. Yeah. Yeah. It just kind of comes down to threat level. Um, I think if I had played X-Men in round three, I probably would have played rogue in that particular game. But, um, yeah, it's hard to, it just, it has a lot to do with the math more than it has to do with how much I want to play or not want to play rogue. It just has to do with like, where does she fit in math wise? Is it, is it a game where I'm playing nine points of X-Men or is it a game where I'm playing 10 points of X-Men? Um, makes sense. And I'm yeah. always, I'm almost always happy to upgrade one of the threes to rogue when the math works out. But, uh, um, usually I want black Panther or I want my five threat in when I can. Yeah. And those are just some patterns I noticed. And I was going to bring up to you. I mean, obviously you took storm every X-Men game, but storm aside, looks like you took domino like every game and X-23, almost every game. And then Corvus, you took a lot. There were three characters that got played five times, and that was Storm, Corvus, and X-23. Yep, that's a lot. Um, and honestly, I agree with my team comp in every round. I don't have any problem with my team comp. Even in my loss, I think I built the right team. Um, mm-hmm. I just made some play mistakes. Okay. Yeah, that just the, some interesting patterns there. And, you know, a lot of this we're going to discuss on the Patreon episode, but it's like, I know you've got some more takeaways from this. And I mean, but like, if you could do some quick takeaways from obviously the tournament, anything you learned from the tournament, but on top of that, more importantly, X-Men, what you learned about X-Men and obviously people underestimating X-Men and discrediting them for a long time. But I mean, what were the big takeaways for you from the tournament around um, those subjects? One, I would say I'm happy with where X-Men is at. And I think right. unless someone can convinces me that I should really dive into something different for content variety sake or something like that. I would like to keep playing X-Men. Um, cause I feel like I sync with them really well. I like the characters and I'm enjoying how it's playing on the table. I feel like I have an advantage. I think they're, I think they're really solid. I also felt like I was playing them fast enough. This was an event where lots of people hit time, like way more than at LVO. And the only game that was close to time was my loss to Nate. And, and that was still reasonably close to the game naturally finishing anyway. Uh, Most of my games finished with, you know, 10, 15 minutes to spare. And so I liked that I was one playing them well, 
I liked how my matchups were going. I liked the characters that I was playing. I think I'm going to shake up the roster a little bit for practice sake. Um, Just experiment with some different things just to see how that stuff goes. And we'll talk about that a bit in the bonus episode, but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm feeling the, I'm feeling the X-Men. Absolutely, man. I I am too. And I'm excited to hear more about your dives into them because I mean, you've got like the solid core, but there, I mean, of course there's a lot of X-Men not here, you know, cause there's a lot of X-Men out in the game. And I, you know, I, I'm curious, like your thoughts on all X-Men going forward. So it's interesting with this powerhouse of a core, like you said, maybe that nine threat core, what it looks like going from there. You know, there's a lot. I'm really excited to see what you think about that. And I'm very excited. Like, I'm very interested to hear what you said about a lot more people going to time. Was that just something with Adepticon in general and just the players that were there? There wasn't really some sort of reason. It just happened. I think people weren't moving through deployment and getting set up and getting the game started as fast as they should have been. That's something I've actually learned in tournaments. Yeah, a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's. I think it's just been like people were just kind of laxed about getting to the table, laxed about like getting things set up, probably like, you know, usually because I know most of what I'm going to play, like as soon as we roll for priority and we know what the crises are, I'm setting up the crisis and I'm getting that going. And I'm usually like with this roster, it's usually there usually isn't a ton of decision making for me. I know what I want to play and I'm like making a subtle choice between like climbing gear or indomitable or uh right um oh i guess uh i didn't go through the exact tactics cards because i didn't note them but basically every x-men game i was playing i basically always had indomitable i always had med pack and i always had first class then the other two rotated between brace climbing gear and sacrifice depending on the matchup yes like i don't think i brought brace against guardians and so I right. got climbing gear in in that game. Okay. Um, okay. And then, but then in like the games against Hulk, I think I usually had it. Um, and so I didn't have climbing gear in a lot of the Avengers matchups. Okay. And you never played Web Warriors, so you didn't play March for Death <laughs> ever the whole the whole time. I probably wouldn't even have. I don't even. I probably wouldn't even have played March for Death. Um, yeah. Against Web Warriors, unless I was playing Black Order. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay, very cool. Yeah, I mean, a lot of cool things here. Omnis, like, once again, like, it's so cool to see the evolution of the list we talked about so long ago and the ideas of the, those shapes and, you know, flipping those objectives on those shapes and kind of just playing X-Men in that way, you know, leveraging the first class and their ability to be in several places at once with a lot of three threats and stuff and kind of your evolution of it, which is, you know, incredible to see. And then on top of that, you getting third place, man. Like, that's just amazing. Uh, we were cheering you on on the Furious Finest patron discord. That was blowing up during the time because everyone was you know shout out to all of those nerds yeah they're all watching you and excited and um and of course you know nate making the finals i mean it's just it's all these good people that i've worked with around this game i love so much like some of my favorite people that work in this game and uh creating content like you know doing so well i i just was super excited because i couldn't make it and um i'm planning on making lvo and probably adepticon both next year so vicariously living through is now on my list of like cons to not miss i had a blast um i've heard that every time someone goes yeah it's kind of like it becomes a staple if possible for, for them. You know, I've heard nothing but good stuff and, and, you know, and we don't have time to talk about all today, but I know you played in a lot of other MCP related events and hung out with cool people and, you know, shadows again, non-stop. professional, professional yeah, casual network, like you said, good stuff. <laughs> just too much good stuff. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was fun to follow at home when I could. And, 
professional casual network made that really easy because they really do were they really were doing a really solid job of providing constant coverage of what was going on with the games that I love like MCP and so that was just super cool as well like I felt very plugged in you know I felt very living breathing and uh, it was super cool to see and um, yeah I'm excited to dive more X-Men with you in the future I, I think there's a lot of discussions coming up with us uh, about this team and uh, I'm excited to hear your podcast feed your evolution of this thinking of this list because it sounds like you're just going to start getting a lot of reps and trying new things. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what we'll do in the bonus episode. I have a lot of ideas about where I want to go with this next. And I like, like I said, I think I'm going to stick with X-Men and just try the roster a few different directions, see if there are better options than Black Order, that sort of thing. Um, so I think we're, but we're probably getting close to the point we should probably jump into that. Yeah, probably so. So we should probably close yeah. the sh- show here. I'm just like we always do here on our show and like just where can everyone find you the easiest thing is uh i'm at the omnis on twitter or if you want to find me on any of the podcasting sources spotify itunes youtube just search omnis protocol yep and same here we are furious finest on all the social media platforms and you can find furious finest on every podcast platform and on top of that you can find me online just with my name jesse aiken that's j-s-s-e-e-a-k-i-n yeah, we're just excited to talk more MCP. This is going to be a really fun year, Omnis. I feel like there's so much in the future. And, you know, it was super cool to see these events early on in the year, what people did and what lists won and stuff. You know, it's just been really enlightening, I think, for us. Yeah, 100%. Well, I think we should do, we should, we should, even though we're going to release this on both of our feeds, I feel like we yeah. should have both of our outros in the episode. And so okay. my outro will be the most OP thing that you can do is play the affiliation that you want to play because there was something special about playing and doing well with X-Men that I would not have felt playing anything else. I couldn't agree more. That's kind of my life motto on this is playing what you want to play and, and, winning with it, you know, and making your own. So yeah, I really appreciate that. And until next time, thanks for listening. True believers. Peace. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 